going to be Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 37. And I don't know what your week has been like. I know what my week has been like. Uh, we are in the process of fixing up a house that's been a rental um, for a little while and getting ready to sell it. So it has just been a, a crazy, insane week on top of everything else that has been happening. And I got to tell you, it feels like Easter was about nine years ago. And it was last week. We together got to come. And I don't know if Easter Sunday might have been your first Sunday joining us online. Um, maybe this is your first Sunday joining us online. Uh, maybe throughout the week you're going to be able to catch this. And I, I thank you. I'm so glad that you're with us. But the thing that took place in the life of the disciples, they did not have some busy week that kind of totally forgot about what happened the Sunday before. They did have a busy week. There's no joke about that. But their entire reality was just circling this thing that took place the week before. And, man, there were so many crazy things that began to take place. Not just Jesus' resurrection, which was absolutely the most pivotal moment in all of history. That Jesus, the man who died on the cross, who died with our sin did not stay dead, but rose from the dead, victorious over our sin, delivering us from that sin, delivering us from the death that we deserve because of our sin. He gave us new life. He, he rose from the dead. That is so crazy. And I don't think it has probably hit you that hard this week. I only say that about you because... I think I have maybe even fallen into that place where, all right, great, Easter, that check, that's done, now we move on, what's next? But what we're going to read today is an account of some of the followers of Jesus Christ and what took place for them immediately following the resurrection of Jesus. So uh, we're going to be jumping in, Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. We're going to be going through 37 this morning. Um, so buckle up and uh, let's get into this. Verse 13 says this, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus. Now, what same day? This is Easter morning. This takes place. All right. After the ladies went to the tomb to uh, do some of the you know, things that were culturally their custom at the time um, with somebody who had died to go bring these spices so that the body that began to decay did not smell too bad and all those different things. It was a way that they honored the dead back then. And, and these two Marys went to the tomb and they found that the stone had been rolled away and Jesus wasn't there. And this angel says some stuff to them and they're like, what do you mean? He's not dead. We know he died. And that whole thing happens and they tell the other disciples and the disciples we read last week ran to the tomb and they're like, oh, it's true. He's not here. What, what took place that same day? This whole conversation happens. Same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began to walk with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. Like cloak of invisibility, or I, I don't know what was taking place here. Where's my Harry Potter's? Anyway. Um, <laughs> but that, that 
thing that took place, they were still so focused on. And rightly so. I mean, this had never, we've been celebrating this reality for 2,000 years that Jesus rose from the dead. This had not happened before that. Now, Jesus had raised others from the dead. But Jesus himself raised from the dead, and they're talking about this, and they're like, what took place at his trial and all of these different events that led up to Jesus getting arrested. And they were just going through their story of Jesus and like trying to remember all the events that took place. And as they are going through this, I think Jesus does something that maybe you would like, maybe you would hate. Jesus gets to have a conversation with other people about himself and they have no idea it's him. Have you ever heard that statement, I'd love to be a fly on the wall? What does that mean? It means this, that I would love to listen in on that conversation without anybody knowing I was there. That's what that means. It's super stalker. It's what you get to do on Facebook and on social media all over the place. Um, I just want to see who this person is before they have any idea who I am. But Jesus got to do this with these followers of his who were going through this incredible event that took place and they are still trying to piece it together. And Jesus gets to start having this conversation with them and then not even know it's him. That's incredible to me. And it's interesting how Jesus takes that opportunity and what he does with it. It's one thing for us to ask people what they think of us. But it's another thing to just find out completely zero filter like And this was crazy. And this is what Jesus has opportunity to do here. And it keeps going because their response about all of this is very unreserved. It's unfiltered. It's their true unadulterated opinion and their processing of what took place. And he asked them in verse 17, it says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And if you have your notes, if you have the app, you've got some notes in there. Um, The first one is this. Do you discuss Jesus intently? I mean, these guys were talking about what had happened as they watched it, as they got to see it, what happened to Jesus, all the different things, and they were talking about it intently. Now, it doesn't say that they were arguing about it. It doesn't say that they were in disagreement about it. They were just so deep in trying to understand all of these things. And my question for you is this. Do you discuss Jesus intently? I mean, Maybe make a list even of the things that you're actually willing to discuss intently. Maybe you love certain things. I have a personal problem where anytime I see a motorcycle, my brain just starts spinning 100 miles an hour because I absolutely love motorcycles. And I will discuss motorcycles intently. There are so many things that I'm, I, I'm passionate about. And those things I, I will discuss intently with a few people that may have the ability to engage with me on that same intellectual level in that one area. I'm a nerd about scripture. So, yeah, I discuss scripture intently. And maybe you're looking at me like, oh, well, you're a bald pastor guy. You're supposed to like that stuff. I love that stuff. Is Jesus one of the topics you are willing to discuss intently? And that is, that is something that's just been working on me this week as I've been in preparation for this morning. It's something that I think if we are in one of these discipleship groups, I hope you do get to discuss Jesus intently. 
And not just what you think about him, but what he has done, what, what he has said. And maybe even listen to other people because we have a problem. I think the age of social media has made it so easy for us to express our opinion that we are forgetting how to listen to other people's point of view, how, how to engage with what they say or what they saw. And we're really more instead just waiting for our next turn to post our opinion or say what we think instead of discussing it back and forth intently. With whom do you discuss Jesus? Man, there is benefit in discussing Jesus with people that we know have an experience with Jesus. Have you ever discussed Jesus intently with somebody who has questions about him, who may not have your same understanding of faith? Have you ever discussed Jesus intently in that way? This opportunity that Jesus has with these gentlemen, he says, what is it that you're discussing so intently? And that question, what is it that you are discussing so intently as you walk along? That question from Jesus hits these disciples because it's kind of all encompassing. And I think we get in this space sometimes where we are so focused on what is happening that we kind of forget that this has impact on the world around us. And there's another phrase called, we, we miss the forest for the trees. We, we miss the fact that there's this big thing taking place because the big obvious things that are right around us are getting our attention so much. And the disciples, you know, have this opportunity where they're discussing and Jesus asks a question because not because he doesn't know the answer. Again, it's because he wants them to kind of zoom out a little bit and say, oh, okay. And it says this about them. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there this last few days. What things? Jesus asked. And there are, there are times when we might be discussing Jesus so intently with other Christians that we forget that there may be people that have questions about Jesus and we almost don't know how to transition that thought process in our life to include other people that, man, they may have questions. You may have questions about Jesus. You may have seen other people walking around throughout the last really two months and seeing people doing celebrations of Ash Wednesday and why do you have ash on your forehead or maybe even last week joined us for Good Friday and, and then Palm Sunday and had questions that nobody has discussed with you. I want you to be able to engage in that. But for those of you that are Christians already or who already have faith in Christ, I want you to understand that there are people out there who want to be part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. They want to be allowed in to ask their questions. So please make space in conversation. Not to just spout what you think, but to wait. I love Jesus' questions. And this one is so simple because they say, you must be the only person in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know what has been happening over the course of the last few days. 
And Jesus just asks a simple question. What things? Jesus asks so that they would speak their minds. Do you ask questions so that you can speak? Or are you asking so that others can speak? I think we get stuck sometimes in our Christianity saying, I need to get people saved and I need to ask them the right question to lead them the right direction instead of asking questions to find out where they're at. Mm -hmm. And say, what questions do you have about God? What things have you seen? What experience do you have? What spiritual reality has led you to the place where you're at right now of having these questions? And then, here's the key, shut your mouth and listen and see what it is that God has maybe been leading them in. And maybe they are still very far from God, and that's that's okay. God is the one that hunts down the lost, the one that searches intently, and he has called us to join him in that search. So let's ask good questions like Jesus did. What things, Jesus asked, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. It's interesting here, as I've been reading through this over and over this week. Jesus doesn't just go like, come on, you've been my disciples. It says at the beginning, Disciples of Jesus were talking about him intently. So these were people that got to see Jesus do all these things and say all these things. And Jesus doesn't just go, oh, good grief, you missed it. You only think I was a good teacher? You only think I was a prophet? Breaking the eyes of God and people? I mean, that you have missed what? That's not what he said. These were two disciples that got to hear all of those things. But Jesus just keeps letting them talk. Verse 20 says this, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. And they kind of give the Reader's Digest, you don't even know what that is, the Twitter version. <laughs> I'm so old, that's all right. Um, of, of the things that have happened, kind of encapsulate it in just a few words. You know, I'm sure there was so much more that they had in mind, but to try to get some stranger up to speed with what was happening, they just hit some of the high points. And it's interesting to me that in this, there's no fault on them, by the way, in their own eyes. I think we have a tendency towards that that we look for other people to be at fault or other circumstances to be at fault. And they said, well, our, our leading religious leaders, they handed him over. Now, these were disciples who all had said, we will never abandon you. We will never forsake you. We will die with you. They don't make any mention of that. They kind of go through this as kind of almost casual observers of it in their relaying of this to Jesus, not knowing it was Jesus. But... They did have a barrier, and I think all of us do have barriers. And this is one of the things that, 
as a church, I believe God has called us to be about is removing barriers, loving God and people and serving together. Absolutely. But that first one, we have got to be very aware that there are things that keep people from God. And sometimes those things may be us or some of the things we have said. Sometimes those are just legitimate questions they have. And maybe they're just realities where I have only seen this and this and this. And so my picture of God, my picture of Jesus is so limited. Or maybe I've seen a bunch of different things, but I don't know how to see the whole picture. And that's, I think, where these disciples were. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Their barrier was their understanding of their experiences. And I think a lot of times, every single one of us gets so focused on just all that we have been able to see. Maybe our own experiences with God, maybe our own experiences with church and church people that we don't know based on just our limited experience, what it is that God might be trying to say to us and I think these disciples were struggling with that same thing. And here's what I think is great news. Jesus came to walk with them and talk with them about that. And I think Jesus wants to come walk and talk with you about the things that he has already shown you in your life. Mm -hmm. And how he wants that to not just be the limit of your experience, but he wants to open up your eyes, open up your ears and your heart and your mind to see the whole Story, the full picture of what he has been doing to draw you to himself. Amen. We had hoped he was the Messiah, but he died, so we must not be. I think that was their thought because they stopped short of saying all of that, but you can hear it in their words. We had hoped he was the Messiah, but we watched him die on a cross, and we know what death means. But we heard this crazy story that his tomb was empty. But we don't know how to justify our entire life's experience of what death means with this crazy story. We don't know how to put these things together. And then verse 22, they keep talking. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen an They had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, and now we're back in this moment right now. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering his glory. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. (sighs) Yes, I nerd out about scripture, and I love talking about it, and here's why, because scripture gives us the whole picture. And these guys had seen Jesus do amazing things. They'd seen him say things and teach things that were so mind-blowing to them that they were still trying to learn them, but they were missing the whole picture because they had seen this terrible thing happen. And their hurt was still distancing them from the truth of who God was, who Jesus himself was and what he came to accomplish, the big picture. 
And so Jesus gave them the whole picture. He took them all the way back through the law and the prophets and walked with them and joined them in their intent conversation. He said, do you see now how all of these things had to happen to Jesus, the Messiah, and he had to die on the cross because the sacrifice needed to be made because you couldn't make it for yourself. Do you see all of that? Jesus gave them the whole picture. And here's the other thing. Jesus taught them how to tell the whole story. In that moment, it says that he walked them through the law and the prophets and all the scriptures and made the whole picture make sense for them. They were hungry for it. They were trying to understand it. And he gives it to them. And he he teaches them in that moment how to tell the story. How to tell their story. And how their story fits in the big picture story. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Mm. I don't know if you've ever, grief, wasn't planning that. Um, If you've ever regretted not understanding an experience until it was over. Mm. I don't know if you have had moments with somebody that is dear to you. That you don't oh, suck it up, Buttercup. Good grief. Um, maybe you had an inclination in the time that this is a precious time. And you don't get those moments anymore. <laughs> Jesus does the biggest mic drop for these guys walks them through, explains to them the truth of who he is, teaches them how to tell their own story, and then opens their eyes to the fact that, hey, guys, it's me. And he does the thing that he did with them the last time they got to see him in this kind of personal setting. He said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And that moment that they remember, he calls them back with their with every single sense that they have. And he reveals himself to them in full at that point, and their eyes are open, and then he's gone. I don't I don't understand that part of it. I have question in that. I know Jesus is a busy dude. <laughs> he had some things to get done. But this was one of those things that he wanted to be able to walk with his followers through this process, just these two alone, so that they would understand in full. I believe he wants to do that with you because Jesus is the story of our life that is worth repeating. I don't know what stories you repeat. The stories I repeat have a tendency to be around my children or discussing things that happen with my children. That's There's a lot of that. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, those stories are funny. They're entertaining. They're things that are 
easy to kind of mix into conversation with other parents who have kids who happen to be disgusting little things as well at certain phases and they grow out of that kind of. And so they're easy connect points. But this story of who Jesus is for these disciples is the only story truly worth repeating over and over and over again. And my my question for you today that we're going to get to here in just a little bit is, have you repeated your Jesus story? I mean, these guys are rock stars. We're still discussing them 2,000 years later because they got to walk and talk with Jesus, and they didn't even realize it was him until the very end when he disappeared. And then they're like, what? And that craziness of their Jesus story made it into Scripture. And we're still talking about it. What stories do you repeat? Is your Jesus story worth repeating? I'm not saying you have to have some sensational, you know, I was a crackhead and Jesus rescued you. That's, if that's your story, tell that story. That is the truth. Do not be ashamed of the past that Jesus saved you out of. These guys got to see some crazy stuff and they didn't have a lot of the crazy stuff really happened to them yet. But then this thing happens where Jesus walks them through all of Scripture and teaches them how to tell their story. Your story is worth repeating. If you don't even have a relationship with Jesus yet, I want you to be able to talk about the fact that, you know what? I don't know him. That's my story. I've heard other people talk about it. Maybe I feel God doing in me what he did in these disciples. It says this in verse 32. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who were gathered with them. Who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. So my question is this. What Jesus story do you have? What experiences do you have? I, here's the thing. I don't, I don't know if you dream. I, I dream very Clearly, I love my dreams. I have a tendency to be able to like, when I realize I'm dreaming, I actually love to just fly. And so in my dreams, I stop dreaming whatever I was dreaming. And I'm like, peace. And then like do the Neo thing and just fly. I love it. It's a fun thing in my own little brain while I'm resting. I love my dreams, but I know this about them that typically they start to fade after I wake up and I barely remember them a day or two later. And Unless it's something that God really put in my head, then it just burns in my heart. And I have to think about it. I have to pray about it. God, what did, what, what were you saying? Did my understanding correctly? But I think our interactions with God, our experiences with God, if we don't talk about them, they're like dreams and that they can fade away. And we can start rationalizing that, oh, I just have some emotional moment. That was some, that wasn't really a God experience. That wasn't really a time where, 
eternity impacted my existence. That was just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. So let's not talk about it. I think we do that with our God experiences unless we actually talk with each other about it. Unless we go back and think about, man, I remember as a kid, my parents took me to church. I remember giving my life to Jesus. Maybe I'd, Maybe I never had that opportunity. I don't know what your story is, but what is your God story? Maybe you don't have a story that ends or has this point where you have given your life to Jesus. That's all right. I want you to to be able to begin to see that, man, God has been revealing himself throughout my life. And maybe I've just missed those experiences. Maybe I've tried to explain them away. But these guys have a Jesus story. I believe all of us do, but I think we don't know how to tell it. And so I do want you to start having intent discussions with each other. If you don't believe in Jesus, all right. If you do believe in Jesus, all right. Start discussing him. If you don't believe in Jesus, I would love to have a conversation with you. I want you to try to convince me that I shouldn't believe in him too. I'm all right with that. I want to have that conversation with you. I want to be able to sit down with you, maybe on Zoom or Facebook Live or something else. Not Facebook Live, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) And let's talk about this. I want you to hear my story. I want you to hear every... My next question is this. Who have you told your story to? If you are a Christian, if you have a Jesus story and you know it, who have you told about it? Who have you said... And this is my Jesus story. And I'm not saying I want you to start with like the worst sinner you can find. That's terrible to even just think in those, those terms to try to. I, no. Have you told your kids your Jesus story? Mm-hmm. Have you told your wife your Jesus story? Have you told your husband? What? I mean, start with people that you've already built some maybe good reputation with. So that maybe some of the crazy things that have happened that have led you into your position with God, that they can say, man, I see that. Have you told, it took, oh man, like 34 years before I was even willing to ask my dad to tell me his Jesus story. And I got to tell you, man, I, I wish I'd asked earlier. And it motivated something in me that, man, have I told my children my Jesus story? Well, I'm a pastor. They get to hear me speak about Jesus all the time. No, it's a different thing than sitting down with somebody and saying, this is what has happened. I'm not saying at the end of that, you need to give them an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I am saying, I want you to tell your story of Jesus. Why? What happens when we do that? Verse 36. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. What happens when we tell our Jesus story? Jesus shows up. Bottom line. I don't know how he's going to show up. He may not show up personally and be like, hey, feel my hands, feel my side. That's what he did for his disciples at that point. But I know this. That when we will start discussing intently this Jesus that we know, 
then he will start showing up in the lives of people who need to know him as well. So who have you told your Jesus story to? Maybe you don't know how to make sense of it. Have I got a deal for you? It's called discipleship. Talked about it already. Get into God's word. See how your story fits into the big story of what God has been doing. So that you can, like scripture says, give an explanation of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Tell your Jesus story and see how he will show up. That's my challenge for you this week. I'm not saying you need to go door to door and start knocking on neighbors' doors and say, hey, let me tell you my Jesus story. I'm saying start with your kids. Maybe you've been praying for one of your kids. Maybe it's a grown adult now that has never heard your Jesus story. And you've wondered, why is it that my kid doesn't have faith? Mm -hmm. Maybe they haven't heard why you do. We have an opportunity to talk about God. Don't cram it down people's throats, but man, you can tell when somebody's talking about something they care about. And it builds in you a desire to talk about the things that you care about. And when we talk about God, when we tell our Jesus story, it starts burning in people's hearts that, man, I think God is trying to talk to me. Tell your Jesus story this week. Tell it to your kid. Here's the thing. If you have an infant, start there. <laughs> They're real easy audiences, by the way. Just start, start trying to make sense of this story yourself. And don't think you have to have it all polished and perfect. Just start. And this is... This is what I know of God. These are the experiences I have. This is where it really started. And you know what God is saying to me now? And I'm trying to understand it. Jesus walked and talked with his disciples when they didn't even recognize that it was him so that they could tell their story well. Let's get to be good storytellers about Jesus. Don't make stuff up, please. Don't do that. Tell the truth of what you know about Jesus. And if you don't think it's a good enough story, you're wrong. You're being lied to. Somebody needs to hear your Jesus story because that will get them closer to connecting with Jesus themselves. This week after Easter so far, maybe we've been so distracted that we have been doing something else other than telling the story that is most important in all of history. And don't just tell an old story. Tell your story. Okay, that's the challenge for today. I want you to do that. I want you to look for opportunities. Look for somebody that you can have an intent conversation with and tell your Jesus story and see if Jesus shows up in that person's life. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we get to join each other in this format and worship you and hear your word. And God, not just let it go in one ear and out the other, but Lord, thank you that you hopefully this morning have been speaking to us and challenging us and saying, hey, I want you to tell your story of me. I want you to tell somebody else about how it is that I have impacted you. God, thank you that you still meet us where we're at and you help us understand you. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we have this time together to worship you. And Lord, we continue in that time of worship right now. Lord, I praise you for every single person that's able to be with us today. 
Thank you, God, that they've been able to connect with your story in this way today. God, help them connect your story with somebody else this week. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.